You are listening to the Vine Church Sermon Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the Vine Church, please visit our website at www.thevinemadison.org. I want to draw attention to a few things this morning before we dive into before we dive into God's Word. Um, you guys have probably noticed the updates out in the lobby, and those will be happening here as well uh, in this space. Uh, just keep an eye out for that. Um, really thankful for the for the cosmetic changes, and you're going to continue to see that progress in the coming days. But I want to shout out um, Naomi Ledgerwood and Emily Davenport and my wife Kim. Uh, they're kind of like the, the planning committee for that, and so they've been working hard. Like it was four hours Friday night, full day yesterday, like 8 a.m. to like, what, six, what was it-ish? Long days painting. Um, Mama came home and she was sore. And uh, so, and she slept hard last night. <laughs> and so, yeah, they're, they're tired. Um, but if there's still, um, still need for some more volunteers, if, if so, yes-ish. Uh, if you're good at painting, uh, that'd be great. Um, and, uh, so thank you to them. When you see Kim or Naomi or, or, um, Emily, uh, thank them and the volunteers that are here today. You know who you are. Thank you for serving alongside them. Um, also, uh, just want to remind, like last week I preached a, a message that, you know, maybe somewhat challenging for some folks on the, the doctrine of election or the doctrine of predestination. And I did answer some questions this week in a podcast that was released Friday night. So if you had questions about that, I encourage you to listen to the podcast. And then um, finally, I wanted to highlight um, our local serves. So we want to make disciples among neighbors and nations. We talk about Ecuador and North Africa a lot. We also talk a lot about Madison. And as a church, we've moved away from making our serve the city opportunities um, strictly city group focused and made those church-wide focused. And um, so we've got um, international students. We've got the little free pantry out here. It gets a lot of traffic. Um, Zateo working with women who are in the process of being trafficked or being rescued or or recovering from being trafficked. And then the Elizabeth House, which is also a place to advocate for um, women on the margins who are pregnant and need resources. And so... There are serve channels on your Slack feed, and I encourage all of you at minimum to be informed at one of those. We're asking all of our members to, to make this a priority. Everybody's busy. Everybody's busy. The issue is not busyness. I say it all the time. The issue is what we prioritize. It really is. And so if you're a member, we at minimum ask you to be informed. Um, and also get involved somehow. Get involved somehow. And so this is a way that we can do our identity. We can live out our identity. What's our identity? Well, Jesus said he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And we are made in his image. We are being remade into the image of Jesus. So what does that mean? That means we're servants too. And he advocated for us when we were on the margin spiritually. And so as a result, we demonstrate that we get that by advocating for those that are on the margins physically in our city. Now, there's lots of ways we can do that. This is just the way that we've chosen to do it at our church. 
And so we need more people to get involved. I'll just say that straight up, right? Um, we need more people to get involved. And so please uh, check this out on, on Slack. Sign up for at minimum one of those channels and, and give it a shot. And hey, here's the deal. Like you could go show up and serve uh, at the next opportunity for something and uh, it's not a good fit. That's okay. Try something else. And uh, so we're, we're going to progress in this way. Our leaders are doing a great job and uh, we want to just see that move into the future. All right. If you have a Bible, let's open up to 1 John chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, there's some at the back tables. You can have that. If you don't have a Bible, take one as a gift. And we're finishing up 1 John this week, next week, and the following week. And then we'll be done with the book of 1 John. Today we're starting in verse 6. This is the main point for today that I'd love for us to walk out of here remembering and believing and acting upon. There are more than sufficient reasons to trust the testimony of God concerning Jesus and put your faith in him. I'll say that again. There are more than sufficient reasons to trust the testimony of God concerning Jesus and put your faith in him. When I was a kid, um, I had a couple close calls, a couple brushes with death. And my dad says, um, I was little, like fourth grade, probably third grade, that there's a couple times when when uh, he, he believes that there's like an angel like guiding me physically. And this was one of those. Um, I was riding my bike with my dad and my sister down to the swimming pool. And we had to cross a, a four-way intersection with stoplights. And, and we were heading this direction, and we were stopped at the intersection, so just a four-way, you know, and our light was red, and we were waiting for the light to turn green, and we were just going to cross, and there were cars here, and, you know, like, the light turns green, and the bikes and the cars, you know, go together. And so the light turned green, and my dad was in front, and then my older sister, and then me, and, you know, they're riding across, and there's cars running parallel with them. And for whatever reason, I don't, I don't even know why, because I, and I don't even remember, I have no memory of why, but I stayed put, and I did not follow my sister. I should have followed my sister. The light was green. They're going. I should have gone. For some reason, I didn't. And uh, the car is going this way. They cross, and then all of a sudden, this car runs the red light that was right here and just blasts this car that was right here. And I can still kind of see it in my mind. Um, cause it, it marked me so much and I, my bike should have been right next to that, you know, to that car that got destroyed. And, um, and I just remember like, I'd never witnessed a car accident before, you know, a high speed car accident. He was probably going 40 or so. Um, it's a, it sounds like an explosion. It's just this loud, disruptive event, scary. And so, you know, thankfully I, I stayed put. I don't know why. Maybe it was the Lord, um. And so they got all the debris, and there were witnesses, and da 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 da, and the cops, and and the cops talked to my dad, and then later my dad told me that the police officer wanted to talk to me, and it was the following day, and that I was going to get a call from the police officer to testify about what I had witnessed, and I just remember thinking, man, oh man, this is my big moment. You know what I mean? Like I get to talk to like a real police officer. I remember just feeling like the gravitas of like, I'm going to talk and I'm the witness and this is important 
This is a police officer who are like, you know, as a fourth grader, you're like, these guys are amazing, like a superhero. And I got to talk to him on the phone. He was really nice to me. And he just asked me everything that I saw because there was probably going to be some type of a, a court hearing. And, and uh, the person that ran the red light was going to be in trouble. And, and I just remember the honor that it was for me to be able to testify to this event. And what was the truth that I saw that I needed to speak about? That was a really big deal. It was really important. To this day, I remember it. It marked me. Well, today our text is all about testimony. It's all about testimony. Why should we trust a testimony? And again, the main point today is this. There are more than sufficient reasons to trust the testimony of God concerning Jesus and put your faith in him. What is the the evidence that says Jesus is trustworthy. Well, it's a testimony. And that's what John is saying this morning. So let's look at 1 John 5, starting in verse 6. Verse 6 says, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one, here's our word, our word for the morning, who testifies. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. Okay, so we've got to unpack this a little bit because it's, it's a little confusing. What is John talking about when he says Jesus came by water and blood? And what does that have to do with testimony? That's what I'm going to explain right now. A testimony about Jesus. Now, this verse is hard to understand and, and scholars have have debated what this means, the water and the blood, and how it testifies to the truthfulness of Jesus. But for the sake of time, I'm just going to tell you what most scholars think. When John speaks of Jesus coming by water and by blood, he's referring to Jesus' baptism, water, and Jesus' death, blood. So let's take this one at a time. Water of baptism, blood of crucifixion. These are testimonies to the reliability of Jesus. So let's start with with baptized in water. Uh, There's going to be a verse on the screen. This is from Matthew 3. This is an account of Jesus' baptism. Okay, a lot we could say here, but we'll we'll, we'll, we'll skip that for this morning. But I want to make one point from here. Let's read it. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And here's the moment. And behold... That's, that's Matthew saying, hey, listen up. Something really cool happened. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God. Make note of that. The Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. So there's miraculous here. It doesn't say that it was a dove. It says that it was like a dove. So there's something miraculous happening here. And, and it continues. And behold, again, listen up. A voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So how does this historical narrative connect to our passage? The spirit descends on Jesus. That's a form of a testimony that says, this is the the guy. This is the real deal. This is Jesus. If that wasn't enough, like it says, a voice from heaven just says it. 
this is my beloved son. The identity of this man, the God-man, Jesus, the identity is clear, son of God. The father makes that known. So the spirit and the father, but in light of our text this morning, the spirit testifies at Jesus' baptism. See how that connects to verse 6? Now, what about the blood? You know, John is personifying events here. It's a, it's a, it's a metaphor. It's a rhetorical way of communicating. How does the blood testify? How does the crucifixion of Jesus testify? Well, there's a lot we could say here, but let me show you from Matthew 27. Similar language that, that is an important punchline. This is after Jesus has died. Matthew testifies this. And behold, there's that word again, behold. He's saying, amazing events. I'm testifying to the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Huge deal. Not going to take time to explain that. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Miraculous things are happening. But here's the thing I want you to focus on. When the centurion and those who were with him, so the, the men that crucified him, the Romans, when the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, what did they say? They were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. So all these supernatural things take place when Jesus died. The blood was poured, shed for sinners. So much so that pagan Roman soldiers are crying out with the same words that the father said at the baptism. What, what did the father say at the baptism? This is my son. And what did the Roman pagan centurion say? This is the son of God. The son of God. These events testify about Jesus and people are testifying as a result about Jesus. So let's let's go back to our text, verse 6. Look at it with me. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. So he came and he was baptized. He came and he died for sinners, not by the water only, but by water and the blood. So he's underscoring the, the, the importance of the crucifixion. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. And the Spirit is the one who testifies. He says it again. Notice the repetition. Because the Spirit is the truth. Oh, wait. That's not how it reads. I think I just copied it wrong in my... Wait. Is that how it reads? Let's check. Did I copy that wrong? The Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. Okay. Yeah, I did copy it wrong. So, not the repetition I thought was there. <laughs> I copy and paste the text into my notes and error. Let's read from the Bible itself. That sounds, that sounds good. Uh... So, and the Spirit, verse 6, end of verse 6, and the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify. Again, see, there, there is repetition here. It's the word testify. The Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. So here's how we got to continue to understand this text. The baptism made it clear. The death of Jesus made it clear. But he's underscoring the testimony of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit 
makes it clear. Now, what does that mean? It's a little abstract, right? So let me try to help us understand what this means. How does the ministry of the Holy Spirit make it clear? Look at, look at verse 6 again. The second half, 6b. And the Spirit is the one who testifies. How does the Spirit testify that Jesus is the real deal and should be trusted? Like he says it three times. Look at it. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, end of verse 6. And then keep going. Uh, and there are three that testify. The Spirit and the water and the blood. These three agree. How is it that the Holy Spirit testifies? Well, in the Bible, the main way that the Holy Spirit testifies about the truth of Jesus is through the people that he indwells, through the people that he inhabits. Okay? It's through people. Through people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how the Spirit testifies. So look at what 1 Corinthians 7, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 12 says. Therefore, this is verse 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is Lord is a testimony about Jesus. And the Bible says that that only happens if you're filled with the Spirit. This happens all throughout the book of Acts. You'll see that people are, quote, filled with the Spirit. And there's a lot we could say about that, but I just want you to see this connection about how uh, the ministry of the Spirit leads to testimony about Jesus. The Spirit's job is to shine a huge spotlight on King Jesus. Okay? Look at what happens here in this text. So the apostles have just um, been, been filled with the Spirit. There's been an outpouring of the Spirit. Jesus is risen from the dead, ascended to the Father, seated at the right hand of God, sends his Spirit, indwells his people that receive him by faith. And all this wildness is starting to happen. Craziness is starting to happen. Beautiful things, miracles, all these signs testifying to the power of the grace of God in the lives of humans. And so much so that they're starting to get persecution. And the religious authorities bring the leaders of the ancient church together and they're just basically like, you guys got to shut up. You, you, can't, you can't keep doing this. This is too much disturbance. We don't want to hear about this Jesus guy anymore. And so let's read what happens here. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Now notice what happens here. And think about how it connects to our text. Then Peter, just operating all by himself. That's not what it says. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. What happens next? He's going to testify. Look at what he says. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, they healed him. That's the, the backstory. 
by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, there it is, he's testifying. The spirit fills him and as a result, the spirit is testifying through him. The name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And, and what, what about Jesus? This is the message of the gospel. Whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. So cross, empty tomb. By him, this man is standing before you well. By the power of the cross and the empty tomb and the spirit poured out, they healed this crippled guy. Verse 11. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there's salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men which we must be saved. So just straight up gospel presentation. And that's what the Spirit does when he indwells people. He enables them to see and to have passion for those that don't know this and want to tell them the truth about basically why we exist and how God is glorified among every tribe, tongue, and nation, centerpiece of history, cross, and empty tomb. Telling people about that. So what's that got to do with our text? Look at verse 6 again. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. How does the Spirit testify? Usually through, its, through people. People get filled with the Holy Spirit when they turn from their sin and trust in Jesus. And then as a result, gospel pronouncement, gospel tes testimony comes out of our mouths. Let me just give you one other example just to, just to make it more clear from Acts chapter 6. Talking about Stephen, the first deacon. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people, just like we got done talking about. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the uh, Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and those from uh, Sicilia, no, Sicilia, Cilicia, and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. All right, so resistance, right? Resistance. But here's the key, verse 10. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit, there it is, with which he was speaking. So there's a connection between filled with the spirit and testimony, speaking. Okay? This is a pattern in the book of Acts. So lots of other examples we could say, but for the sake of time, let's leave it at that. All this to say, Jesus came by water. That's his baptism. Jesus came by blood. That's his crucifixion. And the Spirit is testifying. And, and John is saying that these events, the baptism, the death of Jesus, the filling of the Spirit that testifies, all of those agree. All of those are on the same page, right? See verse 7? The Spirit and the water and the blood, they agree. They all point the same direction. That's what... That's what he's saying. There's more than sufficient reasons to trust the testimony of God concerning Jesus and put your faith in him. Is that clear? Let's continue. Verse 9. He's going to keep hammering on this theme of testimony. And we receive, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he is born concerning his son. So what's John doing now? He's arguing from the lesser to the greater. 
This is a very common rhetorical approach or tactic. It's very common in the Bible. Jesus did it a lot. But it's kind of like John is saying this. And we'll, we'll, we'll bring this into the, uh, into the 21st century. But same idea. In theory, all of us will probably get called or selected to, at some point in our lives, to show up for jury duty, right? And, or at least you have to report for jury duty and then hope you don't get selected, right? But John is saying that human beings, we as human beings, and they did it in ancient times as well, you do your jury duty and it might be a case that's complicated. And there's a lot on the line. And there's witnesses. And those witnesses do what? They bring testimony, right? And you listen to fallen human beings give testimony about what they believe is true, about an event or a crime. And you listen to them, and you listen to the lawyers, ask them questions, and this, this might go on for a few days. But after a while, you're, you're called as a jury to make a decision, right? And you do your best. Like, do we have reason to believe that this testimony is trustworthy? Are there ulterior motives in place? Is there corruption flying around here somewhere? Is this person willing to lie and perjure themselves? All these are considerations when you receive testimony as a human being. And sometimes we know we, we screw it up. We screw it up. There's corruption in the system sometimes. But at the end of the day, we have to believe the testimony or not, and many times the jury is going to get it right. They believe the testimony. They get it right. We get it wrong sometimes, sadly, yes, but get it right a lot too. And John is saying in the same way, if we can do this as human beings, if we trust more if we trust what they say with reference to something they saw or did, how much more should we trust God when he testifies about something, right? It's like, like if you put God on the stand, the God of the universe, the God who said, I'm going to pull the mountains out of the ground and they're going to be shaped like this. I'm going to say to the ocean this far and no farther. I'm going I'm to raise up and bring down kings of this world as, as, as I see fit? Like if we put that God on the stand, all-powerful, all-knowing, and he tells you something about the way things are, he testifies to something, then it makes sense to believe him. That's what John is saying here. If we receive, look at verse 9, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony is God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. There's more than sufficient reasons to trust the testimony of God concerning Jesus and put your faith in him. See Jesus' baptism, voice from heaven. See, see, see all that happened when he, when he was crucified. See the outpouring of the Spirit and how these disciples, they ran and were scared when Jesus was murdered and just a few weeks later, they're setting the world on fire with the good news of the gospel, and they're no longer scared. Like, what happened? That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what happened. 
Let's look at how he continues this thought. Verse 10, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. Think about the logic of what John is saying here. It's weighty. God himself, the God of the universe, has spoken about Jesus. And if you reject that, you're essentially saying that God is a liar. God is a liar. This this term of, of, of God being a liar, John has brought it up many times in the book, and I won't rehearse those, but he brings it up because each time he's trying to explain, like, that's not something you want to do. We don't want to say that God is a liar. That's, that's Satan's job. Think about this. Just another way to, to, to argue from the lesser to the greater. If the president of the United States, or just say the, the ruler, the, the, the top ruler of any nation in the world, if they testify to something being truthful, and you hear that testimony, and you reflect on it, you ponder it, you weigh what is said, you consider the testimony of that person, and then you come to that conclusion that that president or that ruler is a bold-faced liar. And you go all over social media and declare this to everyone who will listen. That's a weighty thing. That's a weighty thing. Now, in our culture, actually, it's not that weighty. It happens all the time, right? But in other nations of the world, you get killed for that. Like, you can't do that in Saudi Arabia. You can't do that for very long, at least, in Saudi Arabia, Iran, North Korea, lots of places. It's a serious thing to judge the ultimate leader of a country as a liar. That has consequences, right? We get that. But it's still, it's a weighty matter different than just declaring that your neighbor down the street is a liar. And John is just saying, again, how much more, how much more if we say that God himself is a liar? Like Satan is the one who accuses God of being a liar. He comes to Adam and Eve in the garden from day one, from day one. He just undercuts God's word just ever so subtly, powerfully. Did God really say He's not giving you these commands ultimately because he loves you. He's giving you these commands because he's ultimately scared that you're going to become like him. That's Satan's first lie. And he's been doing it ever since. Did God really say, should you really trust that? Are there any good reasons to trust that? And John is saying, yes, there are. God has testified himself. And to believe otherwise makes God a liar. Let's look at this last verse. Verse 11, 12. John wraps up with just real black and white like he, like he does. And this is the testimony. Again, that word testimony. This is the truth we've seen. History testifies to it. Humans testify to it. God testifies to it. This is the testimony. 
lays out the gospel that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Just like Peter preached, remember in Acts 4? There is salvation in no other name. So universalism, it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what worldview. Everybody just kind of ends up in the same place. The Bible testifies, Peter testified in Acts 4, false. It does matter. What you do with Jesus is a big deal. It does matter. What you think about the cross and the empty tomb does matter. It's a big deal. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Here it is. This is, the, this is the decision laid before us. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. So John's really black and white here. He just lays it out. There's no kind of if, ands, or buts. It's Jesus is the way, period. And the testimony of God is that. The testimony of his people filled with the Holy Spirit is that. And so for anyone here this morning that doesn't know that, what's holding you back? Where's, where, where's, the, where's the hitch? The vine is a, a place where it's safe to ask questions. So we'd love to inter entertain those questions. We'd love to listen to those questions. You don't have to be ashamed of questions. It's good. But I think also, for those that do know Jesus this morning, it's okay to, to be black and white sometimes. And John is demonstrating that for an ancient church 2,000 years ago. And it's okay for us sometimes too just to tell people like Peter did that there is salvation in no one else. And Jesus says that, like, come to me and, and rivers of, of living water. That's his metaphor for the spirit of God will fill you and flow from you. You can know for a fact your sins are forgiven. You know for a fact that you have purpose in life, that we're not just a cosmic accident. Your sins are forgiven. You can know reconciliation with God that leads to reconciliation with one another. Experience the forgiveness of God and forgiveness, the, the fatherhood of God who adopts us into his family and calls us his own. It is only through his son. The cross and the empty tomb are the events of Christian history. They are the events of history in general. And he doesn't blush at that. He makes it clear, and I think we should be able to as well. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you for its power. Thank you for how you promises to help us, how it promises to do its work. Thank you that your spirit is all over your word, that it inspired it, that it's given it, that it testifies to your goodness. So Lord, would you continue to make these verses solidified in our hearts where we trust your testimony, we don't doubt, and we live in light of it. May it be so. In Jesus' name.